Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Morgan Calton and tonight I am joined again by uh, Matt Baldwin. Evening. Uh, another of the unbeaten run team, John Shaw. Hey there. All right, guys, we've got plenty to go over as we've, you know, obviously Fulham, two more games unbeaten in the last few days. Six points getting closer to Cardiff after their draw on Monday. Uh, but obviously today's news of you know, the sad death of Ray Wilkins has sort of, you know, filled the news. Um, and I think, you know, just everyone at the Fulham Focus uh, team would like to offer their condolences to the family and friends of Ray. Um, obviously, he was part of the Fulham family on two separate and uh, very different occasions, not least because of that, but because he was a professional. He was you know, loved amongst the football community. Uh, no one seems to have had a bad word to say about him. I think it sort of says a lot because uh, the AC Milan fans unfurled a banner in his honour this afternoon. And yeah, it's just very sad to see someone die that young. Um, obviously, John, you were just saying that uh, listening to Talk Sport, the amount of stories that were coming in, shows how much he was sort of loved and appreciated by fans of clubs that he'd, you know, been part of and, you know, not even been part of, just those who just appreciated what he was like. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite outstanding how, how many callers from various clubs he worked at, but just people who had met him in public and stories of him going just completely out of his way just to help people he'd never met before and just a true gent, really. So really sad to hear. And um, obviously he was involved with the club on a couple of occasions, but I mean, Football has lost someone, you know, not just in England, but there's an outpouring from all over the, all over Europe, really. So, very, very sad. Yeah, I think in this sort of day and age where, you know, football is such a business and, you know, a lot of the players seem to be sort of somewhat out of touch with reality, for want of a better term. Um, he was one of those sort of grounded sort of men of the game who, you know, he'd seen it all, done it all. And, you know, he was just, you know, someone that people appreciated within the game. So, yeah, very sad news. But I think, you know, we've got to move on to the happier side of uh, of uh, Fulham in recent times. Uh, started off the Easter period with great 2-0 win up at Carrow Road and uh, finished off last night with another 2-0 win over Leeds. Uh, Matt, your view on the Good Friday game. What do you think? Um, well, I just think it's nice to see the... Now, there's so many positive things that you can take out of this. And I think the the thing that really stuck uh, sticks out to me is the fact that everyone now knows what the side is, regardless of regardless of who we're playing, and that can only bring that can only bring great things. Like for instance, everyone can name the starting eleven from the year we finished seventh, you now under Rohrton, and everyone can name the team that got us to the Europa League final. And the fact that everyone can now name the ele- the starting eleven for what has been sort of throughout this whole run has been great. And that's really important for when you're playing, for when you're playing teams like Norwich, who, you know, can on their day prove to be, prove to be very, very difficult. And the fact that we're all sort of cohesive and all, all together, everyone knows what their job is. Everyone knows what they're doing. is just great. And that shows, and that shows on the pitch. Yeah. I think um, obviously we went to, went to Norwich with sort of, yeah, obviously this great run that we're on, you know, in recent times we've had a very good record uh, up there, uh, but you know, Norwich are a dangerous team. They haven't done a huge amount this season, but they've got some really good players up there. You know, James Madison for one, don't, th- I think, you know, we neutralized that threat pretty well. A bit dangerous at times, but we dealt with it. Uh, Betts put off a couple of uh, great saves. You know, we took control of the game where we needed to. Uh, John, what did you think about it? 
Yeah, I mean, this run just you'd have been a rich man if you'd put put money on eighteen unbeaten. And um, I mean, Norwich, we they, we were a bit of a bogey team for them, so there aren't too many teams that we're bogey teams for. But it's nice to uh, to go there and keep that another run going. What's actually really important is Kearney seems to be you know fit. And actually, he started scoring because he, he got quite a few goals last season, but it really wasn't happening this season. And to see him chipping in, I think he scored, you know, in two consecutive games. Um, you know, the more places we can score for, we can't just rely on Mitro. And with the midfield popping in with a few, it's, it's only good. You know, you've got goals all over the pitch. It just puts a hell of a lot less pressure on someone who's having an off day. I mean, it's hard to expect Mitro and Sess to, to do it all. And yeah, that, that was my biggest plus. And another clean sheet. And actually, he's, this isn't very full of, you know, this this run and you kind of think it's taken, you know, in the club's entire history, we've got the same 15-goal unbeaten run, I think, two or three times. Um, that just shows how difficult it is. Now we're kind of almost thinking, well, you know, could we go to the end of the season? I mean, that would be immense. I mean, it's a really lucky time to be supporting the club and uh, not just the wins, but, you know, the, the actual football that we're watching. Yeah, very little to complain about on this podcast. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean it's great. I mean, obviously, um, on Sat, oh, I'm sorry, on Friday he made the decision to bench uh, Sessignon, which I think was perfectly acceptable considering the amount of games he's played this season. It obviously didn't adversely affect the team at all. But when he did come on, he looked fresh. Um, I think when you've got a player who's that confident now up against a tiring defence, as Norwich's would have been by that point, that was a that was a great move by uh, Slav. You know, and we've had issues with his substitutions in the past because they've been a little bit questionable to say the least and I think having someone of that nature to come on and cause them real issues at the back was you know it, you know, it, was, it was a great piece of management um, with regard to Kearney you know he he is looking fit but you wonder if he is actually playing through the pain but because he's enjoying it so much whether that's having more of a more of an effect than actually being 100% fit I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Have you seen him play? Do you think he's actually fully fit or do you think he's basically just riding on a, no, riding on a high at the moment? No, I, th- I think he's more or less back to full fitness and where we want to be. But I want to sort of bring back to the point about Sessignon and what you mentioned, you know, the fact that he was rested probably because the fact that he just come off for the international break with the England under-21s. And I just want to know, do you think this is going to be something that we're going to see going forward? You know, everyone loves Ryan Sessignon, you know, deservedly, you know, up for young player of the year and player of the year. But with the run-in, do we think, you know, for example, uh, the game against Sunderland, the penultimate game of the season, or against Brentford, who, you know, aren't exactly in the best of form right now, do we see, you know, Sessignon uh, being rested further on down the field, uh, further down the tape, uh, down season rather, or do we think that he's in the starting lineup to stay now for the rest and that that his rest, so to speak, was that sort of first hour against Norwich? Well, I would say, and John, obviously feel free to disagree with this, is that we're not affected negatively by him being on the bench because I think bringing him on has such a good effect. And I think, you know, if we are um, getting towards the end of the season, other teams are getting tired. Um, Some of the lower sides, you know, they may not have the most uh, fittest of teams. And giving um, Seth that little bit of a break and then saying, you know, with half an hour to go, right, come on, do your thing and um, capitalise on this, you know, the slow, slower fullbacks. So I think whilst, you know, given the chance, uh, Ikanovic will play 
Seth from the start. I don't think he will shy away from putting him on the bench and utilizing him in, you know, in a way that may be more effective to the game. John, I mean, what do you think? Um, it's it's a good question. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on the fact that I don't think we're we're that much a weaker team without him. We do lack the goal threat he gives. But um, something that kind of frustrates me is it, which I'm sure I've said before, so a bit of a broken record here. But having a player who can beat a man, you know, um, with the ball at his feet, is something that we, you know, which is a very dangerous thing to have, especially um, if teams are going to sit back against us. And I, I don't think. He does enough of that. So it's nice. Someone like Ojo is probably the best we've got, or, or maybe Cabano. Um, Aite's not really been doing that. I mean, we do play a passing game, so the ball often goes back. But I think with the situation with Cardiff being ahead of us and realistically us needing to win every single game until it's kind of mathematically out the question, I can't, I don't think he will be rested. I think, you know, right, rest him for the playoffs if we know that that's the best we can do. Until we can't catch Cardiff, I think he probably will be be starting, to be honest. Um, and obviously a fresh set at the end is, is dangerous, but you could you could argue the same about, you know, a fresh Cabano or something like that. And Cabano has quite a record of coming on late and scoring important goals as an impact sub. So, you know, good to have all these options. If he yeah. chose to drop Steph, um, Cess, you know, he'd, he'd stand by his decision. But, you know, if he did drop him and then we didn't win an important game, he might get, there might be a bit of backlash. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he would drop him for a whole game. I think you know he. We've got a very balanced team at the moment. We've got options, and they're all the whole team is playing well as a unit. So rather in the past where we've had to rely on individual players um, to try and change the game, I think you know we're, we're not having to rely on assess. We're not having to rely on Kearney. We are just sort of we're playing so well as a team that I think he's just confident putting players who know the positions on the pitch. So I think that that shows, uh, you know, a lot of confidence in the team, which is great. Um, but I think it also means that if Cess was tiring, we shouldn't worry too much if he, you know, if he starts on the bench for a couple of games. I mean, Matt, you brought the point up. What, what do you think? Do you think he should be starting every game regardless? Or do you think, you know, it doesn't actually hurt to rest him? No, I think I, I more or less follow on John's um idea slash suggestion that Sessegnon play him until there is this goes this goes for more or less all all the plays you know are we in a situation where we want to rest Kearney for any potential playoff games do you want to rest a door you want to you could you could more or less do it for the whole team I think yeah go with whatever the strongest 11 is up until such a point is reached where we can't catch where we can't catch Cardiff. If indeed we can't catch Cardiff, you know, for all we know, they could lose their next two games. We could win our next two games. Then we're ahead of them, in which case we've then got to, you know, keep the foot on the gas and go for first team. So, yeah. So, I, yeah. So, I follow on with John suggesting, you know, play as strong as you can and, you know, until you can, basically. No, makes perfect sense. And I'm sure, you know, I think he will in this. I, um, Cess has had a fantastic season, regardless if he's 17 or not, maybe 17 or 28. You know, his season has been brilliant. Um, I think if we are playing the strongest team, he certainly makes it. Um, I just wouldn't be overly concerned if, you know, he came away starting, well, maybe Ojo, but you know, nothing's been said about him. But I think I've got confidence in enough players within our squad to see him start the bench but obviously brought on to, you know, impact sub. Bit of an old phrase. Moving on to the Leeds game. Obviously, that was another 2-0 win. 
two goals that could have been much different, really. Um, you know, positive point. We score from a corner. Um, I think that's twice a season if you count Derby. John, you were there. How was the game overall in your eyes? Uh, yeah, good. I mean, we kind of looked ourselves. We, we passed the ball about nicely. You know, we actually look, we actually put corners into the box now, which is really refreshing. And we actually look a threat from them. Um, although that was quite a lucky goal. More incidents happen from our corners now than has happened for a long, long time. So it's nice to have, have that in our locker, really. A long period of the game, you know, we looked pretty repassable. We kept the ball really, really well in the first half, but um, without creating too many chances in, in their box. And I mean, throughout the game, I noticed that we just go through little spells of just passing the ball in and around their box and they couldn't get near us. We were playing triangles and it was just spellbinding. And then, you know, it would just kind of drop off and... Um, once we were in the lead, it's hard to know if that was just the boys thinking, you know, let's just control possession, control territory, no need to no need to go hell for leather. Um, or if it's just, you know, games do ebb and flow, so you can't be brilliant all of the game. We, we didn't look all that uncomfortable. Um, Mitro, although he had pretty poor service, I thought, all game, was just an absolute beast. He held the ball up well, he came back, he just everywhere did did really really well and um even saved a shot of cesses which was a good save actually um but yeah it was it was good i mean the, the leeds fans were noisy but i don't know what they were singing about really because they they didn't show much i think the leeds fans have been singing pretty well for the whole season you know irregardless of how well they're playing um i think you know <laughs> it's a fairly well-known fact that sort of they you know they bring as many fans to the away games as they do, they sing their hearts out for ninety minutes. Um, but the team are crap. And, yeah, they know, they'll keep singing their hearts out, but you know the team will still be crap until they sort it out up there. Well, that's fair play to them, to be honest. I mean, um, a couple of decisions with um, K Mac and Johansson kind of going in, you know, just professional fouls really trying to trying to stop them in their tracks as they were breaking. Um, well, the Johansson one was brilliant. I mean, that yeah. was. That was, I mean, I've done a few tackles like that in level of sight because, well, I was too slow to catch up with someone and, you know, you just go and, you know, all right, take them out and uh, see what ensues. Um, it was, it was, to be fair, it was lucky to stay on the pitch, I think. I mean, it wasn't just a late challenge. It was just, you know, it was assault, essentially. <laughs> it was the yeah, definition of taking one for the team. It was. But did he need to do it? He wasn't, he wasn't anywhere near goal. He was... Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if he did. I mean, what's quite refreshing is l- last season we seemed a bit naive, and you know, this is the kind of thing that other teams did to us, and um, you know, we dropped points or you know didn't get the result we desired. Whereas this season we do seem a lot, you know, you know, a lot more street smart, and these, these things are, you know, it's not great, but I'd, another clean sheet. I don't think either of them were were, were reds, but um, you know, it does just. Um, <laughs> get you a bit nervous especially with you know games coming thick and fast the run we're on the kind of pressure we're putting on Cardiff if we lose one of those midfield three then you know things things could be very tough so that was interesting I mean Bettinelli didn't have amazing amounts to do but did it brilliantly and I mean the the, the, the kind of swing where they were in, in on goal and he made a brilliant save and then within 15-20 seconds we're 2-0 up you know that's a proper sucker punch to the to the Leeds player and um Moments like that is what gamers pivot on. It really, well, yeah. I think that for that second goal. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about the first goal very briefly in a minute because there's not a huge amount to talk about apart from the fact it was quite a funny finish. Um, but that second goal, I mean, the save from Betts was straight out of the Peter Schmeichel book of how to make yourself big in front of the striker. I mean, it was a you know, 
through on goal, whole goal to aim at, and Betts just spreads himself perfectly. And then counterattacking the way we did, you know, we've in the past been hit by that. Uh, it was great to see the movement, and obviously Mitro finished it off as you know we kind of expect him to these days. I think it was just it showed how effective we can be with our pace and our passing uh, against some of these teams. You know, it was just a great goal to see. Um, and from that point, I think, imagine the team thought, right, this is done. Let's not do what we did against QPR and get silly. Um, so I think a 2-0 win was kind of, you know, fairly set in stone after that. I mean, Matt, what was your view on the goal? I mean, um, Well, that's what I just, I was uh, sort of wanted to talk to John about this. John was, John was out of the game. I was not. And just the way that it's sort of come across you know, I was listening to it. We had the wonderful gentleman, Jim and Jamie, doing the commentary for me. And I've seen clips of the goals. But the way that they both came about, you know, one of the first one coming off Kevin McDonald's backside and the second one being, you know, the, the leads, you know, could have scored. We got the other end and make it 2-0. This seems to me a bit of, you know, getting away with it. Um, The the phrase that people use for uh, Cardiff, a uh, poo housery to keep it to keep it PG. It's fine, but we're Is not it... we're not regimented by any Ofsted. You can say, or not Ofsted, Ofcom. Okay, shit housery. That's what it. <laughs> that's what it came across as, sort of, from someone who wasn't at the game. The way that we won the game, and it sort of it harked me back to Barnsley away and Middlesbrough away. In that, these are the kind of performances, and these are the kind of results that are going to come up for those who you know. You know, we're going to look back on it and say this is the moment that you know we kicked on and got promotion, sort of thing. But that's why I just thought it was that was that the way it was, or were we more dominant than than the scoreline and the way the goals went in? Were we more dominant than that sort of reflected? Um, we we were. It was definitely not a smash um, snatching grab, really. No, we we were the better team. We had the better chances. Ise hit the post. Um, as I say, Mitro kind of sets out a shot that I believe. Where there was a player on the line, but you know could easily have gone in if Mitchell hadn't got in the, got in the way. Their keeper made a save or two, but you know Betts wasn't busy. Busy. I think they had kind of two guilt edge chances where arguably they should have scored. We had five or six, and we scored two. So um, it wasn't it wasn't like you know undeserved. Um, a draw would have been harsh for us. I think um, we, you could argue they deserved a draw, but I didn't see it. Um, some people have suggested that, but not not for me. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, look, we're winning games. We're on this incredible run. But I do feel that, you know, last season there were certain games where just everything clicked and it's, you know, 5-0, 4-1, whatever, winning against Norwich with 10 men and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, that doesn't seem to be happening so much this season. And there seem to be passages in games where it is a bit pedestrian. Yeah, we, we, we're passing the ball, we're keeping, we're not hurting them. They don't seem all that bothered with it. I don't know if that's just tactical. It's like, you know, that's what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden we're going to turn it on for 10 minutes or you know, we're not just firing on all cylinders, but um, it's enough to win games. You know, if we can, you know, against Norwich, we scored two in four minutes and then we scored one lucky goal. Um, I don't know why everyone's talking about Ronaldo's goal when McDonald's was clearly, clearly the superior goal. Um, but um, one was lucky. The, the other one was a great counter-attacking move. And although the shot wasn't all that far from the keeper, I was literally directly behind it. You know, I think he was slightly obscured, but that's it. You know, you, you make chances and you've got, you know, get the ball on target and the keeper's got to save it. So, yeah, no, I, so to go back to your question, it, it really didn't feel like we'd, we'd got away with one there at all, to be honest. Um, 
Leeds did have spells in the game, but I think I mentioned earlier, it's so difficult when you're winning to know what's going through the team. Said they might be like, oh, we're winning this. We're just going to chill out. You know, if they were thinking 100, go, 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 go. We're going to try and score a thousand. And I watched was a result of that. I'd be a bit more concerned. But, you know, we're never going to know that really. I think when you kind of watch games like the Burton game, you know, where they put six past them and it was, yeah, just one way traffic the whole way. Um, you want, when you get into this point of the season, you've got how many games? Seven games left. Is it seven games left? I think so. You don't want to expel that much energy where you don't need to. So you want to be putting in just the right amount to make sure that you've got enough stored up for the next game. You know, the games are coming thick and fast. We've got four games in the space of about 10 days or so. And, you know, just doing the right amount to get, you know, get the three points each time rather than going hell for leather, scoring, you know, four or five goals, uh, maybe conceding a couple as well because you're sort of over, you know, overstretching yourself. Um, if we can go the whole season with one, two nil wins, you know, we've done enough in terms of what we can do, um, whether it be enough to overturn Cardiff, because as Matt said, they keep shit has in their way to wins. And, you know, but we need to keep doing what we can do. And then, you know, the footballing gods will either deliver or take it away. While, you know, everyone would love to see the sort of you know, the big wins. Um, I think, you know, as long as we get the three points, I think most people are fairly happy at the moment. Uh, Matt, can I just you know? make one more, one more uh-huh. point actually about the game is, what I found um, a bit frustrating, I mean, I know we play out from the back and actually it's working better than it has in a long time, really. I mean, Betsy's distribution is, is improved massively and it just looks comfortable. We've got, we're not just doing kind of lumping it to the wing backs or ju- we're, we're mixing and matching and teams don't know whether to stick or twist, which is brilliant. But I noticed that against Leeds, especially like, you know, when you're passing about the back, there were too many balls just across the back line that were kind of under hit or they were playing the ball into space rather than playing it to the defender's feet. And there's always a risk there. You know, if you're not playing it at someone, if they've got their weight on the wrong foot, and there were a couple of occasions where a team better than Leeds could have could have punched us. I mean, I believe that Leeds are actually playing quite a few kids. They're kind of given up with the, with the, with the, with the older players and they were giving some young young players a chance because it's not so... It probably wasn't even their strongest possible lineup. But um, yeah, I mean, passing it along the back across your goal always worries me. But if you're not actually playing it to a player's feet, there are a few kind of cliches. Um, but it is I mean, it, it is how we play. We've got the ball for most of the game. They can't score when we've got it. But, you know, we are dangling a bit of a carrot in front of them when we do that, I think. And uh, more astute managers might, might look at the highlights of that and kind of, you know, try and try and get at us in the next coming games. One, um, moving on to sort of individual sort of performance on that game, I think um, <clears throat> I mentioned that I wanted to talk about uh, Bettinelli's performance and not just that performance, but just sort of, you know, obviously he's come into this, um, the squad or come to the first 11 in the last sort of, well, since the run began. Obviously, there is no dropping him for the rest of the season. Most, well, a lot of people, uh, especially myself, you know, hold my hands up to this. I pretty much doubted his ability. Um, I wasn't, I've never been confident in his ability to... Uh, command the box as I think a number one keeper should be able to. Um, But I think obviously the results speak for themselves. Do you think he's got to the point now where if we were to go up, he will cement his position as number one for the club? Or do you think, irregardless of what happens at the end of the season, we still need to go out and buy a number one? Matt, what do you think? Um, I think he... I think he has, but personally, I don't think he's really improved that much because he didn't really need all that much 
improving. I'm sort of of the old school mentality that you know this was sort of brought up during the main sort of the the main part of the David Button and Marcus Bettinelli debate was that David Button was better with his distribution. I've always been of the mindset that I really don't care about a goalkeeper's distribution. A goalkeeper's job is to stop shots, and Marcus Bettinelli is far superior than David Button at that. Sort of anything else. Anything else is a bonus. So all this talk that, you know, he's he's improved his passing percentage. If he has, fair enough. But to me, I never really I never really cared. But do I think he would now be number one? At a premiership level, Premier League level? No, I don't think so. But so so ideally so ideally we we're either in the Premier League next season without him or we're in the terrible scenario where we're still in the championship and we've got to find championship goalkeeper, you know, for the uh, promotion charge next season. So no, I don't, I don't think he's quite there yet, but he certainly has to, I don't know if I can really say potential because he's about 26, 25. Yeah, now. it's 25, 26. So, I mean, for yeah, so I don't know if that's really the young, age so. where you can say potential. I don't know if that's potential age or it should have already come through by now. I think you kind of you look at goalkeepers. You have to look at them in a different light from sort of uh, any other outfield player. Um, you know, they potentially have a sort of uh, much longer lifespan. Could be playing up to the, you know their fortieth. Um, I think you know, just reading that uh, the Egyptian goalkeeper for World Cup uh, is forty-five. Uh, you know, they, they they do have much longer sort of uh, lifespans as players. Um, but I think with Betts, I think you know he. I remember back in well, it was a couple of years ago when he was linked with Chelsea. Um, uh, he was seen as a young goalkeeper um, who was showing a lot of potential. But I never thought he really sort of built on that. Um, you know, distribution is fine, but you know our goalkeepers very rarely pass it. You know, further than sort of about twenty-five yards out. So the fact is, he's getting the short passes counted as his distribution. I, you know, I like him. He's got <clears throat> I mean, he's got a great attitude, which helps. But I still think he's kind of a bit like Stockdale in the sense that he is decent for this level. But once you take them up to the premiership, there is just that something missing from their um, from their game. I still think he is young enough to be able to sort of you know, improve over the next two to three years. Uh, and, you know, a goalkeeper who's 28, you know, 27, 28, 29 is still, you know, perfectly coming up to their prime. I don't know, John, have you got any thoughts on him or you just happy with him as he is yeah um i mean i think it is worth mentioning that goalkeepers usually do peak kind of 30 or you know yeah that kind of period on um so he's he's got years before he should be at his very very best i i mean it doesn't it's not a coincidence that last season when he played near the end we were doing so well he was injured this season and he's come back in and our uptrend form you know has happened with that it's not just down to him you know i I think he has every chance of being a Premier League keeper. I mean, what, what, what's he doing wrong? I mean, we're keeping clean sheets. He'll, he'll be busier in the, in, the, in the Premier League. But he is a very good shot stopper. He's getting better at coming out and taking the ball. He's, he came off the line brilliantly yesterday, yesterday against Leeds. On a few occasions, what you thought, oh God. And he was just out and completely nullified the, the, the threat um, and obviously made that great save. I think it would be really, really unfair not to give him a go in the Premier League, really, because he's just. I think he's getting better and... I suppose a perfect scenario would be getting maybe an older goalkeeper who's nearing the end, maybe not that close to the end, but you know, nearing the end of their um, career, who is 
Premier League quality and, you know, if things don't go brilliantly, then bets would have to be dropped to the bench and then, you know, the more experienced hand can go and go. But it's one of those things, you know, that the team that gets you to the Premier League is so harsh on them not to be able to, you know, play for well, you in it, basically. Yeah, I think we, we kind of found that when we went up in 2001. Uh, Mike Taylor, who was the goalkeeper back then, was he was brilliant. You know, I absolutely loved him as a keeper. He came up and was just like, well, I mean, he, you know, he'd be able to cut it. You know, I remember, I think it was like, wasn't it Kevin Keegan said, I think he had the uh, the best um, catch in, uh, in outside the Premiership. He came up, uh, he, we went up, and then the next thing we signed, uh, Van der Sar. Now, it's very hard not to start someone like Van der Sar. Um, so whether, you know, we went up, if we did go up, whether we went out and bought, you know, an established top flight goalkeeper, um, if that was the case, then it would give Betts the opportunity to learn from someone. But you're right. I think, you know, any player that takes you up, it's very harsh to then drop them. Um, and- I mean, I, I also, I can't, I can't see us getting someone the quality of Van der Sar, to be honest, what I'd love to. Um, so who, who could we get that would be such a massive improvement on, on Bettinelli? I don't know. And I mean... I don't know what more he can be asked to do. He's keeping clean sheets. He's making kind of decisive saves at the right times in games. He he would be busier in the Premier League, but then actually his distrib- he, we probably wouldn't have the ball as much. So his distribution wouldn't be called into question as much either. Um, and I just love his attitude. You know, he's, you know, he proper celebrates making a save. He comes fist pumps to the crowd after the game. Um, and it's a big contrast to Button. He seems quite a meek, mild kind of guy. You kind of think he makes a mistake and just goes into his shell or his, with bets, I get the feeling that he just, you know, he just wants to beat his chest and try twice as hard and make it right, you know, which I'm sure Button does want to do. I don't want to really bring up Button too much, but um, you know, that's that's a great characteristic in a keeper. You, you've got you, you're going to make mistakes. You just got to get over them, you know, quickly because you, you know you could have a save to make two minutes later. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I think Butts has probably just um, he's got to the point now where he's just like everyone he hates me. Uh, not that everyone does hate him. I think you know he just feels like uh, everyone was getting on his back, potentially unfairly. Uh, but he, I think he'll he'll be out the door in the summer, regardless. And then you know, do we give uh, you know carry on with bets and uh, bring in who's on the bench the most? Magnus Norman, I think, isn't it? Who's the other the young keeper? Uh, or we bring someone else in. But I guess we don't know until we know which league we're going to be in. Um, and obviously, this is very much dependent on how the last few games go, uh, in particular, how Cardiff's um, last few games go. Because obviously, they've got a game in hand uh, after the derby postponement. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Sheffield United game on Monday, but they were awful. I mean, you know, they got their draw at the end. Sheffield United weren't particularly brilliant. Uh, but the football they play, oh, God, it was dreadful to watch. And yeah, they are just shit out in their ways to the Premiership at this rate. Uh, Matt, I mean, what's your thoughts on them? But they're above us. So this is something I don't know if this is subconsciously, I should probably some form of disclosure. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm Welsh. And the reason I'm Welsh is through my grandfather, who was born and raised in Caddickson, which is just on the outside of Cardiff and is a Cardiff City fan born and bred. So there is a little bit of me that is somewhat sympathetic towards Cardiff. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want Fulham to be the one to go up you know, expensive, <coughs> expensive, my granddad's team, because that would just break his heart. But just on the, just on, on a general level, they are above us. We cannot complain about the way they play football when they are above us. Cause clearly at, at this stage of the season, 
their method is better. And if they go up, that will just prove that their method is more successful at this level. And maybe we need to, because I've, I've said this on the WhatsApp group a couple of times, the sheer snobbery of our, this is where we lose a bunch of followers and a bunch of listeners, I know. But the sheer <laughs> snobbery of some of our fan base, just to say, oh, I wouldn't want to be watching that every week. They've won more games than us. So clearly there is something going on at Cardiff that is better than us. And maybe we need to adopt some of that, you know, tougher, you know, uh, route one shithousery mentality every now and again. You know, we have a plan A, which is working well, but maybe a plan B wouldn't be so bad. It's a, it's just something that infuriates me. Rant over. <laughs> John, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think the valid points, they're above us. They've got more points than us. They're not doing, you know, can't be bad. I did watch the game and they were very, very poor. I mean, I'm guessing they've not been like that all, all season, just to take a... I mean, the pitch was pretty awful. Well, that probably, probably suits them, actually. Um, uh, it reminds me a bit of Brighton last season. You were like, how are they winning these games? You know, it just... They just had, the, I'm guessing, the right mentality. They were a proper a team. If they play like they did in that game, they should have been three or four nil down. And it was kind of Sheffield United's inefficiency to score, which, which is why they weren't. And they didn't have many chances whatsoever themselves. I mean... Uh, you can't be playing those odds um, for the next. I think they've got six games left and expect to be taking points. They've got um, they've got Wolves on Friday, I believe, um, and thankfully Wolves, who drew to Hull, have actually got the player who was missing when they played against us when we turned them over, and actually they didn't look very good at all then. So he's back. So fingers crossed they can put in a good performance against Cardiff. But credit goes to I mean credit goes to the uh, Brighton manager, and if Warnock does it, you know, well done it. The only interesting thing will be actually because Warnock said quite clearly that he doesn't like the Premier League. It's kind of you know, it's not for him basically. So I wonder if he'll just step down as soon as they go up. Um, if not, I would put money on that would be a good bet for the uh, first um, manager change of the season because I think as soon as things aren't going his way, he's you know losing games. He hasn't got the team behind him. I think he'll probably fall on his sword and you know bring someone else up the next season at our expense. Yeah, yeah, but I credit think, you know, to it. Credit to him. At least he knows his. At least he knows his limitations. Well, I mean, well done to it. Every manager and every sort of player has their limitations. Roy Hodgson, you know, clearly couldn't cut it at an international level at this age, but can still do it at a Premier League level. You know, everyone has their limits, and well done to him for knowing what his what his limits are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not knocking him for that. It's just, just, just. Um... Just pointing out, really. I mean, it is disappointing that if we don't get second, we we missed out to teams like Brighton and, and Cardiff, who who aren't playing, you know, great stuff. But look, I've not watched, I've not watched enough of them. So, um, I'm, you know, watching the odd game on Sky or when we play them and assessing that that, ha- that must be how they played all season. I'm sure, that's not the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's just a great end to the season, really. I mean, last season was was so exciting. And this season's looking like it could be even more so. So we're lucky, we're lucky as fans, really, to be supporting Fulham at the moment. And um, yeah, suppose I if we get to play, there's more, more games to watch. I would, su- I would suggest that, you know, it's a great sort of, um, you know, it's a great advert for championship football in the sense that, you know, there is such a competitive run in 
going into the end of the season. I mean, even Wolves are getting dragged back in, back into it if they don't start picking up. Sort of, you know, you know, they might uh, they might win on Friday, at which point I would suggest they're you know pretty much up. It's it's showing how competitive the league is, and very different styles of football are succeeding in various ways. So I think you know it's it's great to watch from a, a neutral point of view. Um, and from our point of view, it's obviously quite stressful, and we'd like it to be sort of you know we'd like Cardiff to lose the next three games and us to win the next three games. Um, when we get to sort of the Birmingham game, do we want that to be on a knife edge? Do we want to have to you know, do we want to be listening to our radios or phones, or whatever, for the you know for the ninety minutes to see if we're going up or not? But I think you know the quality that we're seeing from our team is fantastic. You know, people sort of have criticised like me a few minutes ago. Uh, the style of Cardiff football, but as you know, Matt, you pointed out, they're above us. They're winning games, and who are we to question their methods of being there? It's a very, very long season, and they are succeeding where we failed so far. So you know, all credit to well, I want to give credit to Warnock. It sort of pains me to do so, um, but they have done the right thing uh, because they're second in the league, and at this point, going into the Premiership. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch because we've got to finish up in a second. But I just quickly wanted to touch on um, uh, the EFL awards that have just uh, the nominations that have just come out, and a big congratulations to um, Cess, uh, Kearney, and Ryan Fredericks for all making the um, team of the year. I mean, three player three players in a sort of you know eleven eleven man team from one club is pretty impressive. One thing we were just talking about before we came on was the fact that Cess and um, another young player, Ruben Neves, are nominated for both young player and for player of the season. Um, I, you know, Matt, what did you think about the whole sort of nomination thing? Did you, were you quite impressed that sort of it shows that you know, the quality of young players in the championship? Or do you think uh, they could have been a bit more creative with the nominations? Um, no, I, th- I think it's I think it's a sort of mixture of both. I mean, no one could... I mean, anyone... You know, the amount of press that... Sessignon is getting from sort of outside from outside sources. You know, fans of every club, you know, even Premier League clubs are saying, you know, this guy could maybe should go to the World Cup is saying something, you know, oh, I'll admit I've not seen enough of Wolves to see whether or not, you know, Ruben Neves, is it just because he's the best player on the best team that he's in? Or is he or is he far and away the best player in the league? I'm not, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure on. But but yeah, it does show that, you know. The uh, uh, the championship is a league where young players actually get minutes. You know, Ryan Sessegnon, if he was at, you know, if if we'd have sold him to Spurs in the summer, say, or in January, would he be playing 90 minutes week in and week out? No, he wouldn't. But the fact that he's getting, you know, 90 minutes minus the odd rest now just shows that you know, it's a league where young people get their chance to shine. Yeah, and I think, you know... Um... That may be great for sort of the the league next season. I mean, obviously, young players coming down from the Premiership on loan is a you know a big resource for teams down here. You know, in the past they may have been put off by the fact it was the Championship and they thought they were just going to get you know sort of um, lumps kicked out of them by some of the old school defenders. Um, but maybe now they're actually thinking this is actually a great opportunity. Um, I can go build some confidence and really shine and actually put myself in the international picture, uh, be it for whichever nation they represent. So, you know, this, I think it is a great advert for the league. I mean, John, do you have any thoughts before we head off? Uh, well, it's obviously very promising. I mean, um, for us to know that we've got three. I mean, just imagine Mitro was from here from the start of the season. I mean, on this form, he'd be in there as well. So that'd be four. 
So it's nice we're getting some recognition. If we don't go up, we've got quite a few loanies who will no longer be playing for us. You know, having this recognition in the um, in the media might help us get other players on loan. But I don't want to think too much about that until this season's done. Congratulations to the guys who've been picked. Really, um, they they have earned it. Yeah, very much so. Um, okay, guys. Um, any final points, Matt? Have you got anything you wanted to add that we haven't discussed? Before we go. Um. No, other than you can read my preview for the Sheffield Wednesday game either tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when this goes out, on the wonderful Fulham Focus website. Uh, brilliant. All right, John, you got anything? Any, any no, thoughts? No, all from me? No, I'm too lazy. <laughs> all right, well, thanks very much, guys. Everyone, thanks very much for listening. Uh, keep an eye on the uh, Twitter feed for more upcoming podcasts, Q&As, interviews, and all sort of like the great stuff that we have on the website. And we shall be back in a couple of weeks after after the Brentford game. Is the uh, we've got what have we got? We've got Reading, uh, Sheffield Wednesday away, Reading at home, and uh, Brentford at home. After that, keep an eye out as well um, on for the Reading game. Uh, Fulham fan Lee Adams, we might know as Match Worn Shirt One on Twitter, is walking with a couple of Reading fans from the Bedeski, uh to Craven College for the game. And he is raising money for the charity Calm. We will be discussing with him uh, towards the end of the season um, about a walk that myself and Danny Boy from Fulham Focus will be taking part in that will see us walk from Craven Cottage up to St Andrews for that last game of the season. Um, So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And, yeah, uh, see you again in two weeks' time when hopefully we'll still be unbeaten and we'll be that ever bit closer to Cardiff. Thanks very much. Bye. Fulham.